Amen. Thank you, Howard. Give it up for Howard if you would. Yeah, I tell you what, the whole idea of kindness and acceptance is uh, something that is much needed today. Turn your Bibles to Galatians, and right next door is Ephesians. We're going to hang out in two places. We have a celebrity in our midst today. You guys didn't know this. My, my, my new friend Johnny is in the house. Johnny, hey, raise your hand. That's Johnny. So, uh, so Johnny and I's relationship is really built on kindness. It started out as a car accident, and uh, first it was actually built upon being Cowboys fans. So, you know, go Cowboys, right? Then it was uh, challenged by a car accident, and then it was strengthened that, dude, there's something deep here than Cowboys and car accidents. It's a connection in God, and that, yes, yes. Uh, so... So if you guys don't know and you're, and you're late to the, to the game, I backed into Johnny's car in a parking lot uh, about a month ago, and through an exchange of emails, uh, he was kind to show me grace in that uh, he said, you know what, whatever it costs to fix my car, you don't have to pay it, I'll absorb that cost myself, which tells you one thing, write this down, this is good, this is just coming to me all natural right now, real kindness is costly. Real kindness is costly. And I just couldn't believe the fact that um, someone I barely know, stranger named Johnny, would say to me, you don't have to pay to fix my car. And then for God to really humble me, elevate the game and say, this was really not about a car accident or you having to pay. This is about kindness being such that is un- inexperienced in this world. It's, it's not experienced in this world. And me and Johnny then have a relationship say, he reaches out to me and says, just so you know, when you gave me your pastor card, so just everyone knows you need a pastor card in your wallet. <laughs> you never know how handy that's going to come. But to say, and Johnny would, I, I mean, you, you tell, tell everyone what you felt at that moment or during that week after I gave you my card. I'm going to put you on the spot. Johnny, first question is, are you single? That's, that's the first question. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Just kidding. Well, we've, we've got a lot of traction off our story, so this is really, really cool. So, uh, John, I appreciate your kindness, and uh, more uh, than that, I'm thankful to God that he allowed something 
seemingly so insignificant or trivial to actually mean something much deeper than we ever anticipate. And I think that's a good, good jumping off point to talk about kindness. Because your kindness extended to somebody who you may not know could go far deeper than you ever imagined. Um, you didn't know this, but if I, if I would have been a, a good pastor and timed my calendar correctly, last week was World Kindness Day on November 13th. Do you guys know this? Like, I, all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, crap, I'm a week late. But uh, just so you know, here's the good news. You can actually be kind more than one day a week, one day during the year. So I'm going to challenge us to be a church that not only embraces World Kindness Day, which I, I can appreciate, but uh, I think we can give the world a kindness that it has never experienced before. Um, the world that has a kindness, and I'm going to talk about false kindness, that doesn't look like Jesus' kindness. It doesn't look like God's kindness. And so uh, I'm going I'm to elevate the game for us today. And so, um, you know, we've all seen the commercials, Hello, Human Kindness, you know, those, que- those commercials that pull out our heartstrings. But real kindness is costly. Um, and, and what it would cost us, we'll talk about here in a bit, is nothing compared to what it, uh, what it shows or evidences, and that's God's kindness towards us. We would all agree this morning that the world feels meaner in recent years. I think we will all agree that since the last election cycle, COVID-19, civil unrest, genuine human kindness in the most basic of senses has been sorely lacking. And I'm going to say that this might be one of the most important talks and that we can change the, the, the narrative. We can change the discussion. We can change the culture just by not adopting the world's standards, but adopting Jesus's standards and, and being a church that, uh, and being people who follow Christ that just shine differently. You know, we struggle daily to be kind across the internet. We struggle to be kind across the aisle. Heck, we even have a hard time being kind across the dinner table. Can I get an amen? Um, and any one of us will admit that, um, that kindness is, is, is difficult, but God holds us responsible. This is not an option. This is a mandate. This is a command. And we are called to be kind. And, and I'm not talking about being kind as far as how we respond in kind, because we're called to respond in kindness. Kind means you match. Kindness means you go beyond what is being experienced as something on a whole different spiritual plane. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to argue for kindness, which is really a fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5. Turn your Bibles there once again so you see how it's rooted here in what the Spirit does. Kindness does not come naturally. The kind of kindness that, that we're going to talk about today does not come naturally. It is a supernatural work of God in and through His people. It is a fruit of the Spirit. This is why it's listed in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, 23. You know, he says the fruit of the Spirit. Now, if you back up, you'll see that Paul talks about the deeds of the flesh. And the deeds of the flesh are like anger and bitterness and wrath and hostility. You evidence those things, you're not evidencing the work of the Spirit. Those are the deeds of the flesh. But the work of the Spirit, oh, that is countercultural. That is otherworldly. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Which is interesting because the word kindness, circle it in your Bible, make a little note on the side. Don't worry, you can write in your Bible. You're not going to go to hell for it. Kindness literally means useful. 
It means useful. It's not this sloppy sentimentality that is, it communicates this mundane virtue that the world embraces. Like, I'm just going to smile at people, and that's the extent of my kindness. Like, I've shared with you months ago, remember when I told you how I, I don't feel as fiercely judged as I do in my own home, especially at the dinner table? Do you guys remember that message? Like, with how I eat, with how much I eat, with how long I eat? Let me just tell you, God has answered that prayer, and he's alleviated that judgment in my own home because we don't eat anymore together. So that, no, I'm just kidding, we do. Uh, oh, but I'm going to tell you right now, another area where my family judges me is how much I wave to strangers. As if this is an awful, evil thing, right? Like, my dad, my kids are like, Dad, who are you waving to? I don't know. And they're like, why are you waving? Because it's nice, right? People come and go out of our neighborhood, and I'm always like this. And they're like, do you know him? I'm like, no. And they're like, why are you waving? And my question is, why not? I'm that guy. I'm that guy that waves to strangers. I'm that guy that smiles. I'm that guy that tries to bring something different to this environment than what we naturally do, and that is scowl and judge and condemn and not wave and not smile. See, supernaturally, I want my kids to know you can be friendly with all people, whether you know them or not, and even go beyond friendly. Acceptance is a huge thing, and to accept somebody doesn't mean you have to agree with them politically. You don't have to agree with them sexually. You don't have to agree with them financially. You don't have to agree with them in sports or whatever, all the things that divide us, but we can accept one another sheerly from the platform that says, you are a creature created by a creator in his image, worthy of intrinsic value, dignity, and respect. And I'm gonna tell you right now, it's the Christians that I cannot stand. <laughs> Christians are often the most caustic and harsh people in our world. And that should not be so. Picking fights with people who are hostile to their views, I'm going to sit there and go, church, stop. I love the church, but I'm not going to put up with the church being idiots. I would like to call them jackasses if I would. Maybe we should have a church named Jackass Community Church to tell the world how we really feel and how we really act. Can I get an amen from somebody? Amen. Stop being jackasses. It is not a spiritual gift, nor is it a spiritual animal. You know what I'm saying? Christians are the very people who ought to be making Jesus known by their love for other people, and yet they're the ones who are the most harshest, they're the most quarrelsome, they're the most impatient, they're the most shrill, they're the most nasty. And someone came up to me the other day and said, how do you feel about this new Christian line of clothing called Lions Not Sheep? And I said, dumb and unspiritual. That's how I feel about it. And I'm calling it out now. We in the Bible are called sheep by God. Not one place in scripture are you called to be a lion. You parade yourself with a shirt, a hat that says lions on sheep. What does that say? It says I'm going to be a jackass for Jesus. Get out of my way. And that needs to stop. Because you may be winning your little battles, but you're losing the spiritual war. And that is a war for souls. And it's a war for eternity. And you better believe I'm getting on my, my soapbox about this. Because I'm tired of Christians not turning their swords into plowshares. Isaiah, 
Joel, Micah. Say, the people of God are not to be warlike. They are to be peace lovers. Turn your swords into plowshares. No one asks you to pick up a sword and go kill people physically, mentally, politically, whatever. Put down the sword, pick up the plowshare, and start doing good in your community and being kind to people. Lord, turn our swords into plowshares. This is not your battle. The battle belongs to who? Yeah, it's good how many of you know that. Embrace it. This is not your battle. Your battle does not exist in D.C. It does not exist in Texas. It does not exist in Wuhan. It does not exist. Your battle exists in your own heart and saying, how can I be a kinder person? Because if you're not a kinder person, you'll become a jackass for Jesus, and God doesn't want that. We are to be useful. That's the word kind. We are to have a gentle disposition towards meeting the needs of others just like how God has a gentle disposition toward us and has met our needs. In the Old Testament, the word is chesed, which means loving kindness. It is one of the greatest attributes applied to God, loving kindness. Notice it's not just kindness alone. It actually has a prefix. Write it down. Loving kindness. Loving people who agree with you and are just like you doesn't cost anything. But loving people who are different than you, and you can list all the categories how there's people different than you, That's the true test of how much you have been touched by the love of God in your spirit. Do you, like God, extend loving kindness to people? This is an out-of-the-box, relentless, unconditional, self-effacing, gushingly generous, God-graced, others-exalted kindness. And this is the kind of kindness God demands of his people as we live in a culture that's defined by might, spite, and fight. Point number one. (laughs) Why do you laugh? You're not being kind to me right now. What? (laughs) My wife goes, honey, in your intro, you preach a sermon before the sermon. Is it wrong? Thank you. All right. (laughs) Touche. The acceptance of kindness, God's act of kindness toward me. Again, this is every fruit of the spirit that you can't generate off your own steam and energies. You you, You live in submission and reliance upon God. All these fruit are evidence in God's character himself. God never demands anything from you that he himself hasn't demonstrated toward you. Right? And when you accept God's kindness, when you understand how kind God has been towards you, it it changes the narrative. The fact that God shows us the deepest kindness. Matter of fact, write that phrase down, deepest kindness. It's a game changer. It's the most authentic. It's the most awesome kindness you can ever experience. Luke chapter 6, verse 35. We're going to have a few verses up here. And praise God for for Nathan and Lori who 
who put up with my dozens and dozens of verses every Sunday. Love your enemies and do good and lend and expect nothing in return. Stop right there. This is why kindness, real kindness is costly. Because it says, I'm going to do something for you and I'm not expecting anything in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. See, this is called God's common kindness. It's also known as God's common grace, that he makes the rain fall on the righteous and the unrighteous. He causes the sun to shine on the righteous and the unrighteous, right? It is amazing to think that our world, in its rebellion and cosmic treason, is no meaner than in its meanness toward God himself. Every single day, God shows forth his kindness in taking care of us in such things like beautiful days. Amen, right? Our minds, our bodies, our health, our friends, our family, our food, our shelter. And yet we take divine kindness for granted until those things are gone. In God's true kindness, he meets the needs of his creation. And yet how many people live as atheists or agnostics taking the good gifts from God but giving him nothing in return? And today's evidence of that. We're still here. God's enemies are still here and he's still loving them. Because why? It's his kindness. Romans chapter 2, verse 4. Write this down. This is good. Don't presume upon the riches of his kindness and forbearance and, for, and patience. Notice how these three words are all lumped together because they all need each other. Kindness grows in the soil of patience and compassion. Compassion is the inner, uh, is the outer expression of my love for somebody who can never pay me back. Patience is the inward disposition of saying, I'm going to be long-suffering with you, and that's going to evidence itself in my kindness towards you. You have a need that I can fulfill. I'm not going to expect anything back. I'm going to be patient with you and love you. And not knowing that God has done the same thing for us, right? That his kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. This is kindness's priority and purpose. Repentance. Write that down. You know why you are called to be kind? Is that someone would eventually be broken because they've never been shown such grace and mercy. It has an eternal component. You're not to be kind because, oh, it makes me feel good. The moment your kindness starts to make you feel good and you depend on that, it's not true kindness. It doesn't expect anything in return. It trusts God to say, you're going to do the internal work because you've done a work on me. Now I get to show someone else this. Psalm 145, verse 17. I love the psalmist. He says this, uh, if we have it up there. Do we have it or no? The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. Man. There's part of me that says, you know, this time of year in my house, like I open up all the windows and doors. Anyone else do that? Like, and my wife's sneezing and she's like, if the doors, I'm like, hey, suffer, all right? We got God's, kind. no, that's not good. When we're eating dinner separately, we don't really talk, but uh, 
if I want to feel appreciated, I just drive through my neighborhood and wave at all the strangers and stuff like that, feel good about myself. But we open up all, the, and you know, my kids are like, Dad, why are you always about this fresh air? You know, sunroof open, moonroof open, windows down. And part of me just is like, God's good. I mean, think about it. 72 degrees, hello. Don't ever take it for granted. Come July, August, you know, you're like, all right, Lord, time to acknowledge your kindness, right? Um, boy, here's, here's what I know about God's kindness towards me. He patiently endures me, and he gently corrects me. I was, I, I was going to say I was a butt, but I'm still a butt, all right? When God saved me at 15, incorrigible, yeah, that's a, that's a good word. But the fact is how much God continues, even now that I'm in Christ, he patiently puts up with me and gently corrects me. And how dare I withhold that from anybody? Think about how God has treated you. Kindness points to its purpose, and that's repentance. Which brings us to God's special kindness, right? Titus chapter 3, I love what Paul says here. Uh, boy, he breaks it down so well. Titus chapter 3. But when the goodness and loving kindness of our God, uh, in, uh, of God our Savior appeared, right? So God sends us something that we can never, re never pay for. Salvation, right? He gives us himself. Is real kindness costly? Yeah, he sends us a Savior. He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. Our God is not a, a cheapskate God. He pours out himself richly upon us so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. You have an inheritance that's laid up for you in heaven that no one on earth could ever steal. What are you worried about? Be kind to all people. Be liberal in your love. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. See, Paul says, you have been shown kindness, so therefore go out and love like you've never loved before. Because God's doing something. And this is where the special kindness is, right? True kindness always points people to the cross eventually. People are going to ask you, give me, a, give, me, give me the reason why you're being so nice to me. The love of Christ compels me. 1 Peter chapter 3, 15, right? Be ready to give an account of the hope that's in you with gentleness and respect. Because the kind of kindness that God wants us to show is a kind of kindness that can only be defined and described and explained by God. You know the, the cross is the kindest moment in all of human history. The cross of Christ is the kindest moment. In all of, imagine if there was a com commercial, hello, divine kindness, and there's the cross, and people are like, how is that kind? Because it is meant to show you how far you fall short in your depravity before a holy God and how much he has gone to great lengths to show you grace and mercy. Woo! Now we're cooking! Sins forgiven, life made new. That's the kindness shown to you by God. Which then leads us to point number two. It tells us there's an awareness now of kindness that I 
not only accept one time, but now I live in as a believer God's growth of kindness within me. How do we grow more kind? We never lose sight of the grace shown to us through the cross. Ladies and gentlemen, cross-oriented living. That's why we celebrate communion once a month. That's why we, we circle back around you know, Christmas and, and Easter. All these things point to the fact that God has invaded our messiness and loved us as we are where we are, and he wants to continue to show us on a daily basis, you are loved, you are loved, you are loved. How many of you need to be reminded of this on a daily basis? Because we're, we're worse on ourselves. I'm, I'm right there with you guys. There's, there's so many times when we wake up and there's this self-criticism and there's self-condemnation and there's shame and there's guilt. And there's a God who says, uh, Zephaniah chapter 3, write that, that verse down. I don't have it for you up on the screen. But here's what Zephaniah says. You have a God who sings over you daily. He rejoices over you. And I'm sitting there going, I want to live in that because I'm tired of being beaten out down by everybody's, you know, gripes and complaints and this and that. Boy, to know that God has saved me and set me apart to be his beloved, chosen, adopted child. And nothing on earth could ever take or change that relationship. And now my responsibility is to live in that love and to hear him singing over me rejoicing over me. When you continue to go deep with God through his truth, through his word, you can't help but now be a loving person and a kind person because you live that. The most unkind people don't understand daily how much they're loved by God. Believer, don't forsake the word. Believer, sink your soul into the richness of God's truth and hear your father give you a true estimation of what he thinks of you. And here's what he thinks of you. You're mine. You're mine. And I sing over you and I rejoice over you with my love. And nothing will ever separate you from me because I'm for you. And who can be against you if I'm for you? May the world be against you and you be reminded that God is for you. That's going to change the the disposition of your hearts. And all God's people said, let God's love grow in you. This is why there's a woman, John chapter 4, just write it down, who's, who goes to the well in the middle of the Middle Eastern day, which is what you didn't do, but she went because she was continually condemned by her community. She'd been married five times. She's living with a guy she's not even married to. That's called leasing with an option to buy. God doesn't endorse that, FYI. She goes to the well because she doesn't want to be shamed anymore. Who's at the well? Jesus. They start talking about water. She's talking about physical water, like Dasani, Aquafina. Nope, nope, nope. We're going deeper than that. We're talking about soul-quenching water. He discloses everything about her heart, brings her out of hiding, exposes her sin, She runs away rejoicing. And here's her, here's her testimony. I've met somebody who's called out all the crap in my life. And she's smiling about it. Can I tell you who he is? His name's Jesus. Only Jesus can accept you in, in your darkest, lowest, worst place. Tell you you're loved. And now you don't have to live in shame or hiding anymore. Because you're accepted, warts and all. And to hear my God rejoice over me 
the woman caught in the act of adultery. John chapter 8. Half naked, bring her before Jesus. Let's condemn her right now. And let me just tell you guys, we live in a world where people have pouches full of rocks ready to stone you. And I'm going to tell you right now, the church is the worst. We have the biggest bags of stones. Put them down. Turn those stones into plowshares. Turn your swords into plowshares, right? And he turns to this woman, and the men had no position to condemn her. And then she says, well, what about you, Lord? He goes, I know you, and I could condemn you, but I'm going to choose not to. What? Go and sin no more. Go live a life in peace. This is what God says to us every single day. Why are you condemning yourself? I don't condemn you. I've already done that in the cross. The cross is the instrument of condemnation. The spirit brings a life of liberation. What are you feeding your souls on? Because your souls to be fed on the word of God leads you to continually live in this, 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 this space of I'm love, I'm accepted, and this is a gift from my father. And now I can live recklessly in his love, not caring one bit about what you think of me and what you're going to try to save me and how you're going to try to, try to bring me down. Because there are forces at work in this world that are trying to do that. They're trying to ruin your identity, make sure your identity is shaped by Jesus. All God's people said. Amen. So I read a story this week of a, of a church, and I'll, and I'll clarify the story. So the headline read this. Uh, church starts shouting, let's go Brandon. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, if you have any let's go Brandon apparel, you need to throw it out. Uh, churches should not be connected to this. This is, this is sad. If you don't know the let's go Brandon story, you can Google it later. Basically, it's an it's a, it's a, it's a unloving, unkind criticism of our current president, which you should be praying for. And if you're praying for your president, you don't say things like, let's go Brandon. It's just stupid. Well, the church started chanting, chanting this, but you need to know it wasn't at a church service, but it was a church in Texas hosting a political rally. But here's the problem. No one's off the hook. Because what it evidences to an unbelieving world that doesn't know the difference because we've married our spirituality with our politics, oh, the church doesn't support that because they're hosting this group. The world doesn't go, oh, I see the difference. Yeah, there's separation. No, no, no. We live in a world that thinks, oh, if you're a let's go Brandon person, you're, uh, you're an evangelical. Even my own kids, like, oh, they're wearing a face mask. They must be Democrat. I said, no, 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 no. <laughs> see, you see what's happened? We're, we're, we're teaching a generation how to be more unkind and more unloving, and we need to stop this. We need to change the narrative. We need to stop saying, let's go Brandon. We need to start saying, let's go Jesus. Let's go Jesus. And let's go church. And let's separate ourselves from what the world would try to define us and pigeonhole and, and, and stereotype us and be different. We're not going to align ourselves with political entities. We're going to align ourselves with the Holy Spirit. We're not going to align ourselves with these things and, and call this my tribe and find security there. No, no, no. Kindness means I love people outside of my circle of influence. I love people outside my tribe. And I will make it a daily pursuit to go love people outside my tribe no matter how uncomfortable it may be. 
That's kindness. See, when you arrive at that place, you, you, you are the most secure person within you because you can withstand challenges to whatever you may adhere to, you know, vaccination, no that political, whatever. See, Christians are, are I'm going to tell you right now, quote me on this. Christians are the most insecure people in this world right now. And we need to stop. My faith is not determined with who's in the White House. My faith is not determined by who goes to the Super Bowl. Go Cowboys. My faith <laughs> is not determined by vaccination or increase in COVID cases. All these things are important things, but we tend to forsake the penultimate thing, glory of God, how he's working in this world, for literaler things, insignificant things. Christians, Start walking in security, not by your political platform, but by your identity in Jesus Christ. Start being who you are called and created to be in Christ instead of associating with the tribes you feel most safe in. I'm going to tell you, Christianity is not safe. But you as a Christian are the most secure or ought to be. Start listening to the voice of your God sing over you. Start listening to the voice of God saying, I love you and accept you and you're my kid and I'm with you forever. And turn off all the other competing voices in your life. Because if you get more excited by let's go Brandon than you go let's go church, then there's something wrong with you. And all God's people said, yeah. And there's people I know here that are like, I hate you right now. Well, guess what? You're called to be kind. So... Which is why I can now display the last point, and it's this, the audacity of kindness. Because it is audacious to say things like I'm saying, but I'm doing it because audacious means bold and courageous because I have the word of God behind me. God does not separate his kingdom by whatever tribe you tend to associate with here. He says you're in if you know Jesus. That should be our primary tribe Get people into the tribe of Jesus. There's only one tribe. There's only one tribe that's important to die for and live for and talk about, and that's the tribe of Christ. Are you in his tribe? Are you in his kingdom? Because here's what describes his kingdom, mercy and grace and kindness, love, acceptance, gentleness, compassion, See, this is the kindness that flows out of me. God's expression of kindness through me. Here's where the true test of, of the authenticity of your faith. Are you kind to all people? With nothing expected in return. And it's more than just the mundane virtue of kindness that the world embraces. And that's like, I smiled at you. Does that count for kindness? No. Because it didn't cost you anything. When did we start taking offense quicker than we are prone to show and give mercy? When did relishing getting even become more compelling than getting low and washing someone else's feet? When did we become so easily judgmental towards people whose worldview, brokenness, and temptations are different than ours? See, when you... Inhale kindness from God, you exhale kindness that looks like God's kindness. If there's no kindness coming out, there's no kindness going in. 
So the way of kindness is a way of life. Jesus says this. You know how he defines our lives? It's, he says it's going to be tough. You're going to be laughed at. You're going to be mocked. You're going to be ridiculed. Going to be, there's going to be rejection. There's going to be interruptions. There's going to be an uncomfortableness about it, but that's okay. Because he says, when you go forth in my name, there's going to be people who receive you, and there's going to be people that reject you. But it's okay, because they rejected me too. My, my concern is that, are you on the receivable side of things? Are you a receivable person? Are you the person that's welcomed into all different sorts of circles and tribes because you're a kind person? Are you receivable? Kindness, a genuine compassion, respect for the humanity of others that moves us to act and speak in a way that builds them up and cares for them well. See, that requires more than just a smile or a wave. Are you seeking to better someone else's life with no strings attached? I, I forgot what I just said 30 seconds ago, Nancy. I'm sorry. Genuine compassion and respect for people. So kindness would be a, a compassion or respect for all people, recognizing the humanity in, of who they are, that moves us to act and speak in such a way that builds them up and cares for them well. 15 years ago, I pastored a church. We started a church in 2000, 2001. And um, about 15 years ago, we, we launched a campaign and it was called A Conspiracy of Kindness. Now, it wasn't an original idea. Another pastor had, had come up with it, but I loved it because they wanted to change the narrative of how our culture perceives Christians. And so we as a church launched this campaign called A Conspiracy of Kindness. And don't you love that word conspiracy? It's like we're at work doing like conspiratorial type stuff, right? And so we are going to love the world through deeds of loving kindness to model for them, we care for you more than we care for ourselves, and we're going to do it with no strings attached. And you know what we did? For, for, for a year, we went and we had people stand in front of the post office with books of stamp and say, hey, you need a stamp? Give them a stamp. Small, small little act. Christmas time, you know what we had? We had tables outside of department stores wrapping gifts for people for free. And they're like, why are you doing this? Just wanted to bless you. No, 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 there's got to be more. See, there's this, like, this bait and switch idea that exists in our culture. Like, you're only doing this to get something from me. No. No charge for the stamp, no charge for the gift wrap. Outside of gas stations. Talk about big topic today, right? You guys seen the price of gas? <laughs> um, we are going to pay for your first 10 gallons of gas. Well, why are you doing that? I want to bless you. As I've been blessed, I want to bless you. When the world, now I'm going to call that, there's two categories. You need to write this down. Material generosity. That's material generosity. And, and I'm going to tell you, it's good. It's good when you, you know, you ever pull up a, you know, we don't have drive through here at Sozo, but some other coffee places y'all sinners go to once in a while, you know what I'm saying? Um, you know, hey, let me pay for the guy behind me that's been, whatever. Like, hey, you know what? You're, you're going to treat me. This is where kindness makes itself most obvious and apparent is when there's something done to you that's hurtful. How, how do you respond to someone who doesn't want well of you? 
That's where true kindness shows up. Remember what Jesus said in Luke chapter 6? To the ungrateful and evil. So God's saying to you now, who are the most ungrateful, evil people in life? Guess what? You be kind to them. Play nice. I'm going to buy their coffee. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, you know what? Your yard, it, you know, instead of being that neighbor, it's like, you're weed, like, pay for the landscapers. I'm, I'm gonna, why are you doing that? just want to bless you. See, little acts of material generosity can change the whole, whole temperature of the room. But let's go beyond material generosity. Write down this word. And this is the word. So in 15 years, I understood material generosity. That can, that can have an impact. I think our generosity needs to change, and I'm going to call it relational generosity. It's called re- relational generosity. And we're, this is a to-be-continued kind of thing we're going to talk about l- later on because God's been, been challenging me with, with some stuff just for the church and vision for next year and, and et cetera, et cetera. But... Um, it's, the world does not, while the world may need a free cup of coffee, you know what the world needs now is a loving, respectful engagement with one another. This is called relationship. So whereas material gifts are great, we are now in a moment when we need to seize upon being humans together. Because again, here's the given, we don't like each other. If some alien race came down and looked at our world, they'd be like, there is much disunity and disharmony on this planet. Christians are called to change this culture. To turn your swords into plowshares and to make this different and to look different. You know, I've seen myself, I have opportunities to to be kind. And and let me just say, I don't ever, I do my best. Just to love people. And, and God's grown me in this area. And there's still judgment, judgmental and condemning attitudes that spring up within me. These past, so last Sunday and today. So last Sunday I got to do a wedding at the sanctuary in Paradise Valley. Ooh. They uh, valet parked my 17-year-old Toyota Sequoia. That was awesome. Right? Got Teslas and Ferraris. And then here comes Pastor Scott and his big Sequoia, right? I'll valet this, right? Like so. Uh, but I'm hanging out. And you know what? Loving, loving people, and let me just say, a young couple, you know, every couple's young when you get to my age, but you, you marry these couples, and then all their guests come in, and you know, there's dudes that got like sweet clothes, and haircuts, and mustaches, and the girls are looking whatever, right, and you're just hanging out, I'm just Pastor Scott, right, and you just, you express, you know, you're the pastor, you're the hired gun, right, and you come in, and just to be kind to these people who just, they're like, this was an awesome, it was like a 10-minute ceremony. Quick, like the, the photographer was like, you're awesome, we need to work more together. I'm like, why am I awesome? Because it was short, like, okay, great. <laughs> but you know what, like building relationships with people, like none of these people probably went to church that, that last Sunday, but I got to be somewhat of the presence of Jesus among them. And while I was quick to probably judge them and size them up and be like, whoa, they're like, you know, just going to be there. I'm going to be Pastor Scott. I don't expect anything in return. And I'm passing out bottles of water to people. I didn't have, but you do that. Why? Because people need to feel loved. Today, I get to do a funeral. Two o'clock. My neighbor, her dad died. Someone that we've been ministering to for a long time. There's still kindness, but the kindness looks different. Right? The kindness is not celebratory. But the kindness is, I'm going to mourn with you. 
We're rejoicing with those who rejoice over here, but we get to weep with those who weep over here. And so today I get to just be kind and, and just let people know it's okay to be mad and it's okay to be angry, right? Like we're so offended, like that person cussed at God. Well, guess what? When you're far from God and something tragic like this happens, sometimes you want to raise your fist and go, Why? It's not for you to come in and go, well, let me tell you why my doctrine and my theology sit down, right? Like, no, you love on them. You allow yourself to be inconvenienced. You allow yourself to be interrupted. You allow the busyness of your life to be done. You make time for people. That's one of the greatest evidences of kindness. Start making time for people. Can I get an amen from the church? Relational generosity, being generous with your time, two things, write these words down, conversation and hospitality. Ladies and gentlemen, you've heard it here first, this is the new evangelism. This is the new way we get to be salt and light in our world. Give the gift of conversation and give the gift of hospitality and watch God work. And what I mean by that, in case I'm not clear, is that when you are, let's first talk about false kindness. We need to talk about this because it's in my notes and I wasted time on this. So, all right, no, just kidding. False kindness is passively generic. It's the, it's the easy, it's the easy, I'll smile at you, just be nice, right? False kindness is being useful to others only when they are useful to you. False kindness has contingencies. False kindness appears to be advantageous at times when we are uh, being observed or around those we like or get what we want, right? There's this, there's this idea that I get something from my kindness, that's false kindness. It's touted by the world as a slogan or a feeling. There's shirts now. My wife told me, oh, yeah. Department stores had this kindness, like, line. Matter of fact, one time someone wore a shirt, and I think it said, kindness is free. Sprinkle it everywhere. <laughs> and I'm like, that's stupid. <laughs> false kindness is Judas Iscariot feigning concern for the poor while skimming money off the top of the money bag. That's false kindness. Kindness is not being nice. Can you take the word nice, write it down, and then circle it and exit out? Nowhere are you called to be nice. You know what nice is? There's two problems with nice. Nice lacks conviction, and nice is all about being cosmetic. Kindness is far superior. Far superior. See, entitlement, selfishness is a curse, is the curse to kindness. I love what uh, Tim Keller, pastor out of New York, said. Kindness, which is an ability to serve others practically in a way that makes me vulnerable, comes from having a deep inner security. You know who you are in Christ, therefore you can be vulnerable. And I'm going to tell you right now, to be transparent and vulnerable and to share your weaknesses, that's attractive to people. 
we're taught, no, 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 no. don't tell the, the people about our family secrets. Don't tell people about the things you, you wrestle with. No, 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 no. Jesus invites you to do the opposite. Because he goes, I love you and know you as you are. You can be transparent. You can be authentic. You can be vulnerable. And when you do that, there's a certain attractiveness to people who are like, you can say that and reveal that about your heart and you're okay with that? Why? Because I'm loved by a God who knows me through and through and still accepts me as I am. So Keller continues, he says, it's opposite of kindness is envy, which leaves me unable to rejoice in another's joy. And it's a fake alternative and it manipulates good deeds, doing good for others so I can congratulate myself and feel I'm good enough for others or for God. See, kindness is practically serving others with no strings attached. Because you have everything you need in Christ. Deep inner security. So, false kindness, I'm going to make a name versus make a friend. I'm going to make a million versus make a difference. That's false kindness. True kindness is actively generous. And I've already given you two things, right? There's the, there's the material generosity, which that happens. We don't want to dis, dis, you know, not include that. But relational generosity. And I'm going to tell you, this looks odd to the world. It looks odd to the world that we would love people in the LGBTQ community. Go suck on a tailpipe. I don't, it doesn't matter. Like, I, I may not agree, but guess what? I'm still going to love you, accept you. You realize Sozo Coffee? I mean, we get all sorts. We host Carrie Lake. We get lambasted by people. We host LGBTQ book studies, and we get lambasted by people. And you know what? I'm okay because I'm selling coffee. <laughs> coffee knows no sexual orientation. Coffee knows no political alliances. I wish coffee was my best friend. It is. I don't need you. I just need coffee and Jesus. But here's the thing. People go, but isn't this a Christian coffee house? I go, no. It's not. You want to know why? Because coffee houses don't get saved and go to heaven. You ever thought about that? This is Christian music. This is Christian. No, no, no. You, I, may be followers of Jesus. But don't you dare put this label as if only people who are associated with Christ are welcome here. Matter of fact, I pray for just the opposite. The fact that my wife and I are able to engage with people who look different, who act different, who believe different, I love it. And you know what? I'm only accountable to God for how I love people. I'm not accountable to you. I had someone message me the other day, I heard music in your coffee shop and it had some unsavory language in it. And I was about to write back, F, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no, like, it's like, okay, don't tell me this in person. Go ahead and just email it to me, you know, like, you, you, I know this is a Christian coffee house, and she's quoting scripture, and I'm just like, you know what I did? Nothing. <laughs> Why? Because I don't owe anyone an explanation. As if we live in a world where you're never going to hear that stuff. Right, there comes a point as a parent, like, I used to be that so protective parent when my kids were little, like, oh no, the F word was heard, and my kids are ruined for life. Like, I used to be that parent. Now my wife gets over and she's like, you let him watch Quentin Tarantino movies? And I'm like, no, I don't, but 
but maybe I do. I don't know. My thought is they're at the point where it's like they're going to hear it. Right? Now, we want to do our best. And again, I'm not saying we just have this laissez-faire attitude, just play whatever. We want to be sensitive. And I even message my staff, just be aware of the music that's played. But we have to be deeply secure people in Christ to minister to the people that come our way. And you know what? We pray that the kindness we show leads to repentance. Because more than anything, I want them to know Jesus. Amen? Okay, where are we at? Because, you know, we're all over the place. Is that okay? What time is it? Do we need to go? I got a funeral at two. So all I know is I got a... All right, so two words, conversation, hospitality. I'm going to tell you right now, the two greatest gifts you can give our world. Conversation, hospitality. So here's the application. If God is ungrateful, if God is kind to the ungrateful and evil, list maybe two names of people that you have a hard time with in your life. Because I'm not, I'm not going to tell you right now to change the world. That's a daunting task. But what you can do is enter into already existing relationships with someone you have a difficult time with and, and say, God, how do you want me to display your kindness to this person? And with no strings attached, love liberally. Engage in conversation more than being concerned about how you're going to respond. Ask yourself, what am I going to learn about this other person that I may strongly disagree with on whatever topic it is? Enter into conversation, learn about people, show care and concern for them. I know, totally. She agrees. Out of the mouth of babes. I love how one pastor said, if I have 60 minutes with you, I'm going to listen for 55 minutes and maybe respond with the remaining five. I love that. The gift of conversation. Talk to people. But secondly, the gift of hospitality. Invite someone over to your house. That's an intimate thing. Someone once said, you know, back in the day when you guys remember Mayberry, <laughs> Opie and Andy Griffith and all that? I know I'm totally old, right? The front porch was a huge thing in neighborhoods and communities. You know, you just be out walking like, hey, Andy, he's out there playing guitar, sipping on lemonade and whatever else was in there. We know there's something else in there. He's out there, and they're like, come, have some, Aunt B, get some more crumb cake or whatever, right? You know where the front yards and the front porches have gone? They've now gone to the backyards. We've become less relational. Look at our, look at our design of architecture. And in order to get to someone's backyard, you got to go through their house, which is a deeply intimate thing to go into someone else's house. Let's change that. May you have an open door. May you invite others in, no matter how clean or not clean your house may be. And just invite someone to coffee, dessert, dinner, right? The rhythms of life we're already doing, why can't we now do them together more often? Turn your swords into plowshares. Start being kind. Those who continue the path of belittling and backstabbing and battling, you're going to be marginalized. You're not going to be included in the conversation. I don't want you to be excluded. Enter in. Be secure in Christ and have dialogues that communicate the kindness of God. Relational generosity. Anything good? Thumbs up? Did I preach way too long? Was it my? No? Okay, good. 
Wow. We do, we do. No, I'm not. It does, it does take. The older the kids get, it takes more effort. Can I get an amen from somebody? All right, where are we, where are we at? Okay, let's stand, let's pray. Can I, I want to just, if you look at two biblical characters, be more like Daniel than like David. David was an ex, uh, Daniel was an exile in Babylon. We're exiles in this world, you guys. But we can do good. Think about Micah 6.8. He has told you, O man, what is required of you, but to what? Do justice, love kindness. Love kindness. Don't do kindness. Love kindness. I'm praying that for this, this church community. Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you for your work in our lives, for showing us a kindness that it, 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 it makes our hearts explode, and that's a, that's a good thing. Thank you that you have loved us and accepted us. Oh, your, your love for us is, is amazing. May the love that we have experienced through Christ now be shared with the world. Because there's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of suffering. There's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of depression. There's a lot of disappointment. There's a lot of disillusionment. Lord, may we enter into the world around us with just being Jesus, the embodiment of, of Christ, which is, is entirely your work through us. We can't just turn it on or off like a faucet, but we have to be people who walk in the Spirit. Help us to love. And let that be an odd thing that the world experiences. Help us to be kind with our time, treasure, and talent. May we see people not as interruptions, but people as opportunities to love so that they may know Jesus like we know Jesus. Thanks for today, for being so good to us, Lord. You're awesome. Pray this in Christ's name. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift his face towards you and give you his grace and peace forever and ever. Love you guys. Have a great Sunday.